This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Thou breath of autumn's being, Thou from whose unseen presence The leaves dead are driven like ghosts From an enchanter fleeing, Yellow and black and pale and hectic red Pestilence-stricken multitudes. O thou, who chariotest to their dark wintry bed The winged seeds, where they lie cold and low Each like a corpse within its grave Until thine azure sister of the spring Shall blow her clarion o'er the dreaming earth And fill driving sweet buds like flocks To feed in air with living hues and odours Plain and hill. Wild spirit, which art moving everywhere, destroyer and preserver here, oh here. Thou on whose stream, mid the deep sky's commotion, loose clouds like earth's decaying leaves are shed, shook from the tangled boughs of heaven and ocean, angels of rain and lightning, there are spread on the blue surface of thine airy surge, like the bright hair uplifted from the head of some fierce maenad, e'en from the dim verge of the horizon to the zenith's height, the locks of the approaching storm. Thou dirge of the dying year, to which this closing night will be the dome of a vast sepulchre, vaulted with all thy congregated might of vapours, from whose solid atmosphere black rain and fire and hail will burst, O hear! Thou who didst waken from his summer dreams the blue Mediterranean, where he lay lulled by the coil of his crystalline streams beside a pumice isle in Baye's Bay, and saw in sleep old palaces and towers quivering within the waves' intenser day, all overgrown with azure moss and flowers so sweet the sense faints picturing them thou, for whose path the Atlantic's level powers cleave themselves into while far below the sea blooms and the oozy woods which wear the sapless foliage of the ocean know thy voice and suddenly grow grey with fear and tremble and despoil themselves, O oh, hear! If I were a dead leaf thou mightest bear, if I were a swift cloud to fly with thee, a wave to pant beneath thy power and share the impulse of thy strength, only less free than thou, O uncontrollable, if even I were as in my boyhood, and could be the comrade of thy wanderings over heaven, as then, when to outstrip thy sky speed scarce seemed a vision, I would ne'er have striven as thus with thee in prayer in my sore need. O oh, lift me as a wave, a leaf, a cloud, I fall upon the thorns of life, I bleed. A heavy weight of ours has chained and bowed one too like thee, tameless and swift and proud. 
Make me thy lyre, even as the forest is. What if my leaves are falling like its own? The tumult of thy mighty harmonies will take from both a deep autumnal tone, sweet though in sadness. Be thou spirit fierce, my spirit. Be thou me, impetuous one. Drive my dead thoughts over the universe like withered leaves to quicken a new birth, and, by the incantation of this verse, scatter, as from an unextinguished hearth ashes and sparks, my words among mankind. Be through my lips to unawakened earth the trumpet of a prophecy, O wind! If winter comes, can spring be far behind? And good evening. My name's Quentin Finlay, and this is, of course, Notes from the Underground. You're probably wondering what that was. That is actually um, Percy Shelley and actually um, an Ode to the West Wing. And the reason I played it is not because I just also watched Dead Poet Society last night, great film. I hadn't seen it for quite a while. But because Shelley and Byron and so on like that were actually supporters of the workers' revolts and so on in the early 19th, 19th century, the 1800s, and Shelley at the time, of course, was seen as one of those radicals, of course, who was prepared to actually uh, really speak out in song on behalf of the workers and um, and at the time, and it got him, into, him and Byron into a, a lot of strife and song as a result of that. He also turns out to be actually one of the favourite poets and so on, I understand, or one of the favourite poets uh, of um, Jeremy Corbyn, the former Labour Party leader, and um, basically Michael Foote and so on as well, who saw him as, as an excellent poet. But the reason I wanted to mention him and, and basically tie him into today, into today is because... It, just looking back at, at essentially workers' rights and, and people who stood up for workers and so on at the time, I'm, I'm just kind of reminded of the past couple of weeks, particularly with with the advent of COVID, particularly with uh, what is happening and so on in, in, in Auckland, and then emerging really from the, the dark winter, from the gloom, was this with your comments. Uh, the experts, some of them, have really got their knickers in a twist about your comments. And other people, particularly those on Twitter, say you just want to go to your holiday home in Hawaii. What have you got to say <laughs> to the reactions so far, Sir John, to your comments yesterday? Oh, you know, predictable. But actually what New Zealanders don't want is me being called names. They just want some pretty basic answers to some of the questions I raised yesterday. You know. So let's just run through a few of them. I mean, firstly, don't we all deserve a bit of clarity? I mean, when the All Black team ran out in Australia on Saturday night, the team knew the game plan. Well... What's our game plan for opening up? Because, you know, on your show on Friday, David Parker, I watched it, said 90% we're all good to go, we're opening the borders. Yesterday, Chris Hipkins said, oh, no, 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 there might be 10% and we're not sure who they are. We'll come back to you uh, who don't get vaccinated. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Jacinda... Arduna said, I'm going to give you actually a date when we open. So if you can't... And, and of course, I am referring to our former and ex-PM, John Key, who rised from the proverbial swamp to give his points of view um, on the COVID and opening up the economy 
Um, needless to say, they're essentially the same as every other business community uh, or business commentator and so on in the past couple of years in relation to COVID, which is the fact that we want the economy open, we want the borders open, and we want free trade to actually presume. And, and key, of course, is basically on form and so on with that. So I, I actually... Th- thought about that, I actually need some Shelley or something like that to actually remind myself that, you know, essentially there is a very good reason why in fact um, people like Key and so on, you know, should be completely and absolutely ignored really. Um, As I said, we're blessed with his return though. Um, He emerged from political retirement and he sounded off at the COVID response of the government. He compared the government's response to North Korea (laughs) <laughs> found interesting and these suggested of course obviously some market led responses to solving the COVID crisis and, and of course you know the re-emergence of the New Zealand economy into the world. Now underlying key statements were a belief that what we simply needed to do was return to the dictates of the free market and of course free economics to actually save us and Key stated as part of this little rant he did the other day which was picked up by all his supporters and so on in the mainstream media that we of course were living beyond our means and that we could not expect to borrow our way to pay our way and you know there was too much government involvement etc etc blah 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 and the way forward of course according to John, was to open the economy and allow businesses to function to create the wealth that we needed to start and to start balancing the books. So, you know, it's very important to actually start balancing the books. Now, the fact is is that balancing the books in the economic crisis is never really a good approach. And historically, the outcome of such an approach has been to foster and accelerate economic decline. And the Great Depression of the 1930s is an excellent indicator of what occurs when you adhere to a, one could say, business-as-usual approach. You know, what did it give us? It gave us economic unheaval, low growth, low wages, high unemployment, social dislocation, all the things and so on that you really don't want to actually have in a society that's actually going through a crisis and so on at that point in time. Rather than continue down this path, um, the countries and so on, a number of countries at the time, including us, and Sweden and the United States and so on, decided to actually go away from the approach that John is actually, you know, putting out there and decided to basically say, well, look, essentially we need to actually look at other ways. Balancing the books is not a good way to actually go in such an economic crisis and that we really had to actually use the power of government, which he'd used in World War One, to actually, you know, sort of, fund and kickstart the economy to actually insulate the worst and so on of what was actually happening overseas um, to basically provide that boost and so on to actually generate economic growth, social social growth, social cohesiveness and we you know and to use these things and so on to actually say invest in people and to promote and deliver positive economic and social outcomes. Now Key's statement really also, I mean, this this is what got me too, when you started talking about, you know, the fact that, you know, essentially we were piling on all this, you know, debt that he put in, is essentially it ignores the simple fact 
that the New Zealand economy has a lower rate of debt than many other Western nations. It did prior to COVID. It still unbelievably does after COVID. Okay, so, and in fact, the real issue here, actually, one could actually say, is not really government debt as such. It's actually individual debt. So, you know, essentially, government debt has actually shrunk as a proportion of GDP over the 45 years since Roger Nikes, because, of course, that's what the Roger Nikes and, um, of course, the people who support Key and National and Labour at that point in time actually wanted, which was they wanted the state out of the economy. The result of that was that government debt shrunk. But individual, private debt, debt owned by individuals in this country increased three to fourfold. So, in fact, New Zealand is one of actually the highest privately indebted countries in the Western world. I want you to, to think about that. So essentially take it off one area, put it on another area. Um, and also New Zealand, the other thing you wanted was that essentially New Zealand actually performed very well economically after, in fact, lockdown last year was actually lifted. New Zealand actually, New Zealand's economy actually surged ahead. And in fact, you know, that that the growth in the quarters actually was very, very good in comparison and so on to a number of countries who adopted John Key's approach, left, you know, basically sort of tried to actually act as business as not unusual and, and basically saw their economies and not to mention their hospitals tank. Okay, so, but... I also want to draw attention to the fact too, I'm, I'm sorry if this is a bit of a rant, but the key actually really got to me was that one of the key issues, of course, that is really hitting, hurting the economy now is the failure of supply chain management. And you may have noticed this when you go to Bunnings or you go to the supermarkets or something like that, and a lot of things now are no longer there. And the reason for that, of course, is the fact that they're having real problems, you know, just shipping them. Uh, so you're getting huge container ships in some cases here in the ports that are having problems just unloading or problems getting from one port to another. So there's a real, basically, uh, crisis and so on happening there. And it is, it's um, basically, the COVID has revealed that the just-in-time model uh, that this government and its predecessors have relied on for the past 47 years is largely a mirage and just as time is basically the sort of idea that you can have a factory somewhere else just order um, whatever it might be clothing or books or something like that it travels halfway across the world and voila you have it and but you know because of COVID because of uh, basically climate change, local economic disruptions combined with the failure to actually invest in shipping, this is what has led to the crisis and so on now. And, you know, and, and that is actually affecting this country. And in some cases, too, in the UK, it's actually far worse. You may have actually read that, you know, basically thanks to Brexit, uh, if in fact, the UK is running out of fuel. Of course, the fact is it's not really running out of fuel. What is happening is there's a shortage of drivers to actually, you know, basically do this because of, you know, to deliver fuel or goods because those drivers were all from Europe and basically they were sent home. So they have these problems in supply just-in-time model, uh, which was always deeply flawed anyway, always relying on a set of economic and political prescriptions that never really existed except in the fervent dreams of neoliberals 
and people like John Key. And of course, COVID has simply gone and put this out of its misery. All right, it's basically removed all the clothes from the emperor. And so, <clears throat> the embracing of just in time free trade, as I said, was used also as a justification of getting rid of domestic tariffs and protections. And that has placed us and other countries in our perilous economic situations. So, essentially, in the past, you know, basically we produced goods locally. They did so, you know, behind tariffs or, you know, say 10% tariffs or 5% tariffs or 15% tariffs, but they were done here. And so we produced things like socks and we produced um, sort of low-grade um, gates and, you know, sort of stuff like that. And the other thing was that essentially uh, we also had, you know, the, the a lot of New Zealand-owned industries. I'm thinking things like, for example, shops, hayrights. Those of us of a certain age will remember hayrights, or the original farmers, or para rubber. That was another one, and so on. We had so we had scaler up. So we have all these firms and so on here that existed in New Zealand that were actually giving protection and the right to actually grow thanks to, in fact, New Zealand's regulated and, of course, uh, protected economy and so on throughout the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, okay? So we were actually better off, basically, at that point in time because we weren't so reliant on just-in-time of things from overseas. And, yes, we paid more, but wages were higher at the time. So, you know, we didn't have these same sort of problems of things just simply disappearing from the shelves as they have been now. Um, so, really, you know, what John Key is actually suggesting, you know, in terms of this, is to return, it's open the economy, hope to hell that it doesn't, you know, COVID doesn't kill many people, or indeed overwhelm our medical system, which of course it would, and essentially, voila, you know, we're back in new right utopia, which never really existed anyway. So, what can we do? Well, I think the first thing we can do is ignore John Key completely. I mean, he's yesterday's man. Let's just get, you know, just go home, John. Just go home. Um, he's a representative, really, of people who are willing to have people suffer. And that means either, you know, experiencing COVID firsthand or prolonged ill health um, due to COVID, um, you know. And, and they are prepared to do that so long as their bank balances and so on are actually safe. Opening borders, promoting fair trade and market-led responses is not a solution to economic, social or cultural well-being. It can actually have the opposite effect as has occurred internationally. Instead, New Zealand should go in a new and different way and that's state-led investment, think shipping, rail, etc. Economic and social health can be achieved by borrowing, deficit financing, but more importantly by having that control over the economy that the free market doesn't actually provide us. And things like a progressive tax system to redistribute wealth, you know, away from people like John, who have actually had tax write-offs and, and decreasing taxes, and basically, you know, get them to actually share the burden, okay? And the nation needs more control over its economy instead of relying on short-term thinking of businesses. Now, all I will say is that the world was rebuilt after World War II by ignoring the dictates of people like John Key. And quite frankly, it can be rebuilt again 
essentially by ignoring the dictates of people like John Key. So that was my rant and song for today. Like I said, you know, I, I really want listen to it. And there are a lot of valid criticisms that one could say of Jacinta's approach and the government's approach towards COVID, but I don't think that John Key's uh, criticisms are actually valid at all. And I think that what he's suggesting is essentially a way back into a dark past that we really don't want to go to. Putting on the Ritz. Putting on the Ritz. Putting on the Ritz. 